now rocking with Matt and Dez. Let's go. Welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. Matt and Dez Gonzalez are the founders of Kingdom Culture Ministries, a nonprofit organization that specializes in training, consulting, and resourcing leaders. Join them as they talk about life, family, faith, and all things prophetic. Now let's get to today's episode of the Matt and Dez Experience. Welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. On today's show, we have my very own brother, Jeremy Gonzalez in the house. Jeremy is a revival group pastor at uh, BSSM, which is Bethel Supernatural School Ministry in Redding, California. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, how's it going? Good to have you. Hey, Jeremy. So for the listener who may not know who you are, can you just share with us a little bit who you are, what you do, and some things you're passionate about? Uh, Yeah, I am currently, like my brother said, a revival group pastor at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I'm going into my third year uh, in that um, role, which is pretty amazing. I get to pastor about 65 to 70 students through the course of a nine-month school where we get to just see God transform students. And honestly, if I'm talking about what I'm passionate about, I sign up for that every day to see God (laughs) change a life and that we would be able to, He would, in His goodness, trust us just to pour out what he's done in us for others. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about my wife and kids. Uh, That's, you want to talk about my best traits? There they are right there. My wife and my three kids. And uh, I'm, I want to be a master at that. I'm going to be a great husband and a a great dad. And to me, everything else is icing on the cake. Come on. Shout out Delilah. Next time you got to come on here with with your man. (laughs) Yeah. And I love your kids' names. You tell the listener because you guys have some unique prophetic names, your kids. Yeah, so my son, is his name is Hero, H-E-R-O. My daughter's name is Rescue. And our youngest daughter's name is Kairos. And we, we believe that God has given us their, their names. And it really is a reminder that our kids' names remind us of how good God is, how he rescues us, how he saves us, how he's always on time. And uh, that's, that's, that's what we do. I so love good. it. I love it. And they're so awesome. I'm just proud to be their uncle. You know, it's so interesting is like you talk about BSSM. We had a, a great gathering today. You drove all the way to Vacaville uh, with your third year students and me, a good friend, Craig Ferris, who was on the previous episode, my other brother, Jordan Gazas, who was also on the previous episode, just bombarded your students <laughs> with heaven. We just started praying over them, prophesying over them, and uh, it was crazy today. It was a good time. Yeah, we're we're gearing up to start another school year, and my heart for my my third years, so that's my team of leadership that helps me oversee my revival group. My heart is that they are filled all year so that they can give from overflow, give from their relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. And I just thought what would be a good time to do was to drive down to Vacaville and, and let you guys just bless them and see what see what the Lord had for them. And they, we had a powerful time. Praise God. I was just thinking, praise God, Jeremy, for a, a praying mom. Oh, you ain't lying. Because, I, I mean, some of us, some of you guys listening may not know our whole story, but I've shared some of my testimony in previous episodes. But me and Jeremy were the best of brothers, but we used to fight a lot <laughs> when we were younger. Lord. I remember one time we were at the ballpark, and I don't, I don't remember what we were fighting over. We, we would go in the summer. 
we didn't have video games per se. I mean, we had the video game. We had the old school Nintendo, but we were more excited. We would actually go to a local baseball diamond, play home run derby and pick up games. And then we play basketball and then football. Like we would like play every sport in one day with the neighborhood <laughs> kids. And I just remember one day, uh, somehow me and you got into it because, you know, when you're an older brother and somebody picks on your brother, you don't let them pick on your brother. <laughs> like you won't stand of it. But then there's something that happens when you have your younger brother, you guys get in. I remember one day we were fighting and we were throwing blows. Like we literally were fist fighting and people were pulling over to watch us fight. And you remember that? Yeah, Matt has a gracious interpretation of that. <laughs> I just remember him beating me up. So, And to be honest, I was the snot-nosed little uh, brother that tagged along that probably shouldn't have been hanging out with his friends but didn't have any of my own, which no. is probably going to be a good segue into our talk today <laughs> of, of just, uh, I probably deserved it. But yeah, that's, that's oh, another man. story. We had some good, good stories, good memories that tell our kids one day. But, uh, you know, one of the things I'm excited about this episode is that we're going to be having a conversation about overcoming insecurities. Man, talk about the topic. And I don't even know if we're going to be able to cover all this. But, you know, this is one of the things I really, really love uh, is that, you know, I feel like you have some keys in this. And, and I've seen you do it every year, even with your BSSM students, is helping them overcome any insecurities and helping them to actually step into the fullness of their identity. So will you talk to us about that a little bit, Jeremy? Yeah, totally. I, I think for different people, your, your story is going to start somewhere different than mine. Whether, yeah. you know, it was someone in your life that just kind of overshadowed you, kind of like my story, you know, or maybe you were in a moment and you underperformed and you feel... Like, hey, I, I must not have the goods. I mean, there's a thousand different ways that insecurities kind of get rooted in us. And ultimately, I think it's in the sin. It's in the fall. It's us not being connected to the Father because ultimately that's where we find our security is in Him and in our relationship with Him. But it's a journey. And so I think for me, uh, growing up with a, with an older brother, Matt was 22 months. We were 22 months apart. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in his shadow. I, I've even joked. I'm, I'm usually, I'm more of a light-skinned Mexican in and uh, I always joke around and say the reason I'm not more tan in my complexion is because I was always in his shadow and I didn't I didn't get much sunrise sun's sun on me oh, so I've man. never heard you say that. <laughs> yeah I've that been so I've been crafting that one for a year so <laughs> that's, that's that's free of charge today oh man um, but yeah I think just growing up and just um, seeing my my older brother amazing at everything he did he. He was the best baseball player. He was the best football player. He was. He had all the friends, and um, you know, got all the praise and uh, uh, you know recognition. And um, I, I didn't get a lot of that. And I, I think what happens is, you know, I think the enemy creates these lies in mm. our head that we're not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's an attack on the call of God because ultimately that's what it's really stopping is your progress and who the Lord's called you to be. And um, I I had to deal with that for a long time. And then fast forward, we all get saved. We all have a powerful conversion. And then a few years down the road, like once again, Matt is speaking and prophesying and doing open air outreaches and just doing his thing. And and I'm I'm there in the background, kind of not knowing who I am, kind of not feeling qualified enough to do 
anything. And it, it was a long journey of, of me really battling insecurities. You know, fast forward to make it applicable for today. You know, you look on social media and, you know, friends that were friends that, you know, now they're pastors, yeah. now they're speaking at conferences, now they're ministering with yeah. so-and-so. And I, I'm working a dead-end job that I feel, you know, is not going to really lead me anywhere. And so these things always found a different way, insecurities, to manifest in my life, which made it really difficult for me to feel like I had value or worth, which that's the lie of the enemy. You are what you do. Uh, and if you can't do much, then you might not be worth much. And, uh, I, you know, I've had to, I had to deal with that. And I, I, was, I was late to the party. So I, I don't think I had my breakthrough till I was almost 33, 34 years old of feeling okay in myself and in what God had called me to do. And uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long journey, but I part of who I feel I am is to kind of quicken that for people um, by sharing my story and, and sharing biblical truth truth and and reminding people that it's about God's love that makes you secure and his call on your life that makes you secure um, not anything that you know you need to do on your own to earn it or fight for mm. it like yeah. in him he he makes it available it's yeah good. that is so good you know one thing I just want to say I mean this goes without saying but I'm gonna say it um, the fact that you guys can come to the table right now and have this conversation, I think is so powerful. Yeah. Like how many other families, how many other siblings have grown up in similar situations and they're still right there. They're still literally a 10 year old little boy, you know, stuck under that shadow. The yeah. fact that you guys can have this conversation, we've had conversations with, you know, your other brothers and, and I just feel like that is so powerful in and of itself that this can be a model to communicate to to the listener that it is possible. It is not only possible, it is they are not just, th- you know, surviving out of this, you know, hardship they grew up in, but they're thriving and living out the call of God on their life. I, you guys are a model. I feel like it's so powerful. You know, I know you mentioned, Jeremy, that that you got some breakthrough around that the age of 33 like can you tell us like what did that look like for you like what did that was it a moment was it was it a a few moments was it specific choice you made like what does that look like yeah i think it it starts and ends with the love of god just knowing you know i think a lot of us will we know in our head because we're christians that god loves us but actually having that experiential knowledge like firsthand that god loves me and because he loves me i'm enough and i don't need to look to other people for validation i don't need to look for other people to say hey i'm good enough i'm qualified enough that's good you know you're this you're that and the other thing it really begins and ends with that and then it was a conscious decision to live from that reality Mm, you know i i tell my students uh, i think i I read a book a while back called barking to the choir by by a gentleman named uh, gregory boyle and he he said a little phrase in that that just really stuck out to me he says don't wait to be ready decide to be ready Mm. and for me you know what so many people even young christians i I know the identity message is so prevalent in our church that sometimes people even turn it off because they think they know it but you don't know it till you live it Yes. You don't know it till you embody it. You don't know it till you walk it out and it becomes a place so um, to live from. You know, even even this past week, my, you know, my brother Matt has this awesome opportunity to share an inspired talk on the stage of Bethel, which typically doesn't happen. Even some of most of the people in my position will do little things here and there on stage, but not give a, a 15 minute talk in front of a thousand conference attendees. And I sat there and I cried because I was so, I might cry right now. I was so proud of 
of my brother and his opportunity. And I didn't have to feel like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't called enough or how am I being overlooked in the place that I work at, which is so prevalent at times with people in ministry that we we get stuck in comparison Mm -hmm. and it just becomes this destructive way of thinking. But I I think another way that when I talk about living practically, which, um, you know, I think I made fun of it at times, but the power of declarations of actually verbalizing your faith and coming into agreement with your words what God says about you. That's good. And I I think even that can become a little bit, uh, it needs to be specific. Mm -hmm. I I had to verbally say out loud that God has given me words to say. Wow. That God has given me a place to minister, that God has given me an opportunity. And what that happens, begins to happen in your mind is it becomes expansive. It doesn't become limited. I think too many Christians have small pond thinking and they think there's not enough to go around or not enough opportunities. And there's a lost and dying world out there. There's millions of people that need to be ministered to. And when you start to narrow in your thinking because somebody else has an opportunity and you don't, uh, you're missing out on the larger scheme of things. And I think that's the plot of the enemy is to keep us small minded so that we focus so on good. ourselves and we never take our we take our eyes off ourselves, which I, I think is is a huge sin and, and, and that we sometimes even need to repent of, not need to, not maybe we do because like I said, there's there's a world out there that, that needs the love and power of God and that God is calling his church to get their eyes off themselves mm-hmm. and to get their eyes on him and the eyes on the world and watch what he'll do in in and among us. Yeah, that's so good. You know, one of the things I was thinking about you were just saying it's one of the early times I remember a quote, because part of my journey is that, uh, you know, I I, di- I came into the kingdom, but I didn't realize you needed discipleship. So I kind of went back into the world in my early beginnings. And I remember you becoming a uh, intern and, and doing stuff at the church and that you would actually, you, you just... Uh, you became a student of revival. I remember you would read on Smith Wigglesworth and and God's generals and all this. And you just were, you were to me a revivalist before we even heard that word revivalist. And I remember you turning me on to the move of God and really brought me back into that relationship with God through your prayers, through your model. Because I remember at the time I had really got connected to a youth pastor who they had fired at the church and I got so mad at church and I was young, I didn't know. And so I said, I don't need church and I don't need God. And just remember saying some things like that and just kind of walking away, but you stayed there and continue to pray for me, continue to love on me. And and really a lot of the, I would say a lot of the stuff that I'm walking in today was first inspired by you. And so I just want to honor you for that because you so modeled that so well. But one of the quotes that you said, I remember back in the day that was so it so made an impact on me. I remember you would say it many times in your preaching is that you have to understand that God doesn't just love you, but he likes you. Mm-hmm. And that was a game changer. Like, can you talk a little bit just about that? Because I mean, you're the first one I heard that's ever said that. And I've even uh, borrowed that in some of my uh, uh, messages I've spoken, especially on identity, is coming to that place of knowing that, hey, God doesn't just love you. Like, that's you can read that in scripture, and there's something about having an encounter with the love of God. But what happens when you find out that God really likes you? Yeah, you know, I, I think I have to give Brennan Manning that credit at some point. I can't remember the exact book, but I just remember realizing that. And, you know, this is probably a larger issue that we'd have to unpack. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of thinking out there when it comes to the idea of the atonement. And it's that. God is angry. Yes. And because he's angry, um, he can't look at you because you're <laughs> sinful. And you're lucky that he doesn't throw you into hell. Um, and it's we, we have this religious mindset that God can't stand the sight of us except wow. through Jesus. Which, wow. you know, I, I understand that. 
you know, which is that school of thinking that there is some biblical foundation in that, but that's not the only yeah. picture that Scripture gives us of the atonement. Um, what about that? Why were you were yet sinners? God, Christ died for you. Right. That His that's love fire. before He before you ever loved Him, He first loved Come you. On. Yeah. And being this, that God created you. Why would God create things that He hates? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why would he hate yeah. why would he create things that he despised do I wow. do I am I trying to say that sin's not real not at all am I trying to say anything like that not at all but this idea that God created you and that he smiles over That's you so good you know you you hear before Jesus begin before Jesus um, at least as it's recorded in, in scripture before he ever does a miracle before he ever mm -hmm. raises someone from the dead before any of that ever happens he has a moment at baptism where it says the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and God said this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased come on talk about setting him up with this idea before yep. you ever do anything even within the Trinity itself yep God became flesh I understand that that God would say those that statement over Jesus yeah and you fast forward to first John 3 1 and it says the same thing about us mm. That we are we are loved as children of God, and to me, <laughs> like, so that needs to be the thing that motivates people to to live a godly life, to pursue righteousness. Is that revelation that His love has been poured out to mm. our hearts, and like that that's that to me that's where it happens. So you know, um, this whole topic of insecurity is so interesting because I know I love what Des said earlier. I mean, I think uh, our relationship has gone to the point where we actually prefer one another and so it's not there's not a competition i remember just even early on i think it's sometimes when you grow up with you know we have we have uh, four brothers and you know sometimes in in a brotherhood there's competition but i i feel like over the years what has really shifted for both of us is that we've moved from becoming brothers to actually becoming fathers and there's something that happens when you become a father and i see it in the church and i think this is why there's still a lot of competition in the church uh, maybe not by blood, but we have so many brothers competing. Because brother, I, I, I've always Say said it this that. way: mm -hmm. brothers can brothers compete, but a father completes. Oh come on! That's and a good word. and and I feel like when you have brothers that are just competing, and then when you up the ante and you have orphan brothers, <laughs> uh, brothers that have an orphan mindset which you see it a lot. And, you know, one of the things I do want to talk about, Jeremy, I think you hit on it earlier too, is what happens when you are, not everybody is, uh, has an opportunity to be at Bethel, but you're in one of the uh, most powerful, thriving church cultures in our nation, not just uh, in the nations. I mean, Bethel's influence on culture, church government, music, I mean, just so many things. You're there, and sometimes it's like being in a, a you know, in a, a, you know, maybe sometimes it feels like a small fish in a big pond. Like, how do people deal with it? Because I see that from time to time. Sometimes in our church culture, and this isn't a, a knock at Bethel, because Bethel's had such a huge impact. So I don't mean that in a negative sense, but sometimes I think people get in this culture, and there's a there's like this competition. And you start competing, you're trying to, and I think a lot of it's driven by insecurities. If you don't deal with your insecurities, then there's a performance, then there's a, a jockeying, and, and, and you don't know how to celebrate. You don't know how to mm. celebrate one another. You don't know how to be there for yeah. one another. Like, what are, what, what are some things that you're seeing? How can you, we speak to that? How can we, whether we're in a big culture or a small culture, maybe we're in a small church. I still see the same thing. We try to see it in a small church. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, um, if you're insecure, you're going to, 
it, that's it's a magnet. You're gonna attract <laughs> lies and ideas and half truths and distor- distortions that are gonna skew your understanding. But I think once like that is in place, what's gonna keep people from competing is instead of turning and facing each other, like we need to turn out and face the world. There's so That's much good. out there that needs to be done. So many different. Um, you you read the news for a minute, and you like, man, there, there's some serious yep. things going on. And you have people that are caught up in a game sometimes that doesn't even matter in their head. You know, years ago I was thinking about. Um, I've seen. Uh, it's called LARPing. It's live action role playing. Okay, mm. and this is not a <laughs> this is not a joke. On I'm not trying to make fun of people what? that do that. Any shape of the imagination, but I want to use it as an an analogy. So what happens is, uh, and I, I've never done this. I've just kind of looked at some YouTube's, read some articles. I've never. This is the first time I've ever heard of so this. So people will show up, and depending on what kind of game it is, they'll either dress up as knights fairies okay. queens they have fake swords sometimes they're real swords and for five six hours um they they have battles they have wars they f- fight and but they get in their car and, and the game's over hmm. but in that moment people feel so significant they feel so important wow. they feel valuable wow. in a game that to me doesn't really matter and what happens sometimes in church is that we get caught up in positions, we get caught up in titles, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I have this gift, I have that gift, I, I got to do this in church, I, I spoke here, and that's great, and I'm not trying to devalue what we do together as a church, you know, yeah. Hebrews 9 talks about not forsaken fellowship. But we have forgotten what our meeting time is supposed to do. It's supposed to equip us for the week. It's supposed to be a place of encouragement, a place of worship, a place of believing where God wants to do something in our lives every day. And we have been content with like being significant in things that sometimes don't really matter. (laughs) And to me, you know, that's going to that's always going to happen until we uh, get outside the church. We get people in and amongst the world and you start to see the need of others. I, I think things are going to become really, really clear. Uh, and I think I was talking to you even before we started about being passionate about identity. Yes. But but I have realized over the last few years that the message of the world and the message of the church almost sometimes seems synonymous. Huh, talk about that. Like you 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 took you want to turn on Oprah, you want to you know you want to read a Brene Brown book which uh great. Uh, there's no criticism for that, but it's devoid of the, of the message of Jesus. Mm. And what has happened is they're saying the same things that we're saying, feel good about yourself, love who you are, wow. be vulnerable in yourself, which is great language, but that's not that's not a, that should never be an ending of itself. Wow. If the whole goal is for you to get up and feel good about yourself in the morning, that that's not the gospel. That's not what Christ Come died on. for. That's not the church he purchased. And sorry, I, I'm not trying to be on a, on a get on a soapbox right now, but uh, I, I I I had to realize, Lord, what's what's the difference? Even in uh, what I, Chris Valentin said this yesterday in uh, I think it's Second Timothy chapter three verse one. It says, "In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves." And I'm like, Lord, am I doing that? Am I creating that? Because I'm taking the time to talk about identity. And I really felt from the Lord that the difference is once you deal with insecurities and you're secure in God's love, you know, you don't have to focus on yourself anymore. Hmm. That's good. And that you can actually be in a moment and be more aware of what God wants to do and more aware of the needs of others. Wow. But when you are focused on yourself, when you're focused on who's noticing you, who's acknowledging you, who's giving you an opportunity, when you're running through the ideas of, am I good enough? Am I prepared enough? Am I qualified enough? Uh, where's the room to hear God? Where's the room to be aware of what he wants to do? 
And to me, when we settle the issue of insecurities, you almost you position yourself to be useful for God because you are you're aware of what He's doing in a moment, and you're not aware of yourself. Wow. And so for me, that's that's the message. And I think I was reading uh, Brennan Manning's book. Uh, what's it called? Abba's Child, which it's a great read. I recommend it. He says something. He quotes Augustine. He says, There can only be two loves, wrote Augustine, the love of God unto the forgetfulness of self or the love of self unto the forgetfulness and denial of God. Wow. And to me, that's, that's what's at stake with identity mm. is that you become so secure in yourself. I mean, and you're so secure in God's love. You can almost in a very real sense, forget yourself. And I'm not saying, I know there's a big mm. take care of yourself movement. I know there's a big, you know your needs. I'm all for that. I'm not saying and saying saying that, that that's not legit or valuable, but uh, you see that in Philippians chapter two, it wow. says that Jesus laid down his life, not valuing equality, something to be grasped, but became a servant. Mm. And uh, that message of servanthood needs to go back in, in place, but not out of, validation but out of overflow of knowing who i am knowing that i'm loved and because i'm loved i can serve wow <laughs> that is that's crazy you know i i was i read a quote the other day and i'm probably going to misquote i wish i would have copied it down but it said something a friend of ours posted it about how one of the um the new christian gospel in america has become this self uh self-care uh gospel and that it's uh, devoiding and devaluing our ability to be a servant or to lay down our life for a cause or, or for people. And I thought, I mean, there, there is there is a tension because I, I know the other side. I know for so long, you know, when we first came into Kingdom, there was a whole, you know, you need to die daily, crucify your flesh. And it was just so, it was on the other side of the pendulum. So people didn't take care of themselves. They didn't seek counsel. And now... We know people, we know leaders who are burnt out because they were on the other side. But then yeah. you have this other side of the pendulum now where it's all self-help, self-care, and there is the loss of laying down your life. What does that look like? That's it's just so interesting. Like, I, 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 you have any thoughts of how maybe we can get back there, what, what that looks like balance-wise? Yeah, I mean, there are legitimate traumas that people need to process. Right. But I feel like everybody wants to over, they want to blow up what they've gone through in life. Yeah, to me, it's trendy <laughs> to idolize the struggle Whoo. that, oh man, I've been through this and I've been through that. And, yeah. you know, my dog didn't, didn't like me one time. And, <laughs> you know, it's like we have, we feel the need to have um, a struggle because I think the power of story, wow. which is great, but we have done that where we've like, oh man, I had to struggle. And then you start buying this idea that you need all this counseling and you need all this help. And wow. uh, I, I think, you, I honestly think you're devaluing the work of the cross personally. Um, and I'm not saying that those things are important. If you need help, if you're struggling, if you're yeah. dealing with things that are, um, have been a pattern in your life, a pattern is, is a no brainer. Like if yeah. there's a pattern in your life, That's good. like seek help, find a pastor, get counseling. Like don't be, you know, so arrogant that you forget the need uh, of your own soul. But, um, I just think, I, I remember years ago, Mario Murillo says, he said something, he says, you don't, you don't tune a piano with another piano. You, you tune a you tune a <laughs> piano with the with the tuning fork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, that's what has happened in the body of Christ is that we are reactionary. That if somebody else does it, we want to come in alignment with them, and and we're not asking the Lord like, hey, what what am what do I need to be doing in this season? Mm. Like, what do I need help? Like, what what does that look like? And I get that we're created for community, so that's an important side of it. But uh, I, I I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing that we're in right now. Yeah, Jeremy, that's so good. I just feel like. 
as you're sharing, I'm I'm reminded of back when we were doing our school of transformation. I just remember so many times where you know we would do a lot of sozo ministry with the students you know people would come in and we'd want to see their lives transformed so of course there's things that we deal with right in our past and mm-hmm. and and things that we need to get free of and so you know there's a time for that but i just remember and i even would speak to the students about this there would be so many times where they would almost use these sessions as their discipleship <laughs> program you know or and, and their means so to to gain maturity with the lord they would use these times and, oh, yeah. and we had to really bring some some cor- correction in that area because it was like no 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 you know what <laughs> You don't understand. This is a great place and a safe place to get vulnerable, to get those things that the Lord's bringing to the service and and get free of them. So good. But it does not replace the need for community. It does not replace the need for discipleship and 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 mothers and fathers in your life and leaders that you trust and 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 ultimately I'm I was just reminded of Bill Johnson has a quote that he says something along the lines of, you know, we believe in impartation, but one thing I, I, I cannot impart to you is my history with God. So good. And uh-huh. I feel like that is a huge um, just thing right now that, of course, we believe in impartation. Yes. And I love one yes. thing Matt always says is that we believe the greatest form of impartation we can experience on this earth is family. Yep. Oh, and so I good. feel like... You know, we, I feel like we haven't quite gotten that full revelation yet in the body as a whole that we just doing life together in and of itself, we're going to, we're going to exchange graces. We're going to cross pollinate. We're going to, you know, (laughs) just doing life together and we're going to encourage Mm -hmm. each other in the Lord in that way. But when, like what you're saying is if you're so self-focused, first of all, you're, you're going to neglect that. Yeah. And most likely you probably won't even receive what you need to receive from your, from your community that God has put you in because you're too, you know, focused on yourself and you're probably going to go isolate yourself. So you're not even going to get what you need in the first place. Oh, so true. Yeah. Right. But I feel like there's so much, there's so much to unpack in that, but I think it is. There's the, there's this tension. I don't even know if tension is the right word, but there is this parallel that we need community. We need, you know, vulnerability. We need family, but yet we need to like go do something. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like stop sitting on our behinds and like, oh, I just need to be encouraged. I'm having a hard day. Okay, my hard day turned into a hard week. Okay, my hard week turned into a hard month. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you're not doing anything and you're not making a difference. And and there's so many times I remember even when we were in um in our college days ministry, you know, or our ministry in the college days that I would feel like, man, I have nothing to give. I <laughs> I yeah. like I, here I am, a college student myself, and we're supposed to be leaders. I felt so inadequate. I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. I've never been a leader, but here I am, you know, and God's somehow <laughs> making it work. And so I would show up and we would have these discipleship classes. And and I just remember so many times where it's like, you know, the scripture, like those who refresh others, them themselves will, will be, be refreshed. refreshed. Yep. And I cannot even count how many times that has been so true in my life. Like I felt I didn't want to worship. I didn't want to praise. I didn't want to even come. I didn't want to be around anyone. But the moment I broke through that, that even just 
even selfishness and yeah. just like my feelings were more my Lord, you know, and just like pushing past that and saying, no, I'm going to give out, you know, whatever I have, I'm going to give. And, and I just got so much back in return so good. out of that place. And I would feel, I would leave so many times, like after praying for someone or, or encouraging someone, and I would feel so filled up and I would feel like I got breakthrough so just giving out what Come I on. had. That's so good. You, you know, I was thinking about, Deji just said something that made me think about something you said earlier. You know, one of the things, I, ultimately, you know, I love social media, but social media makes things heighten. Mm-hmm. And I think w- one of the things I'm seeing right now is that there is a difference between telling somebody your insecurities and actually dealing with it. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of people right now yeah. in the name of authenticity. And I don't want to overgeneralize, but I see this many times where in the name of authenticity, I tell you my insecurities, but I don't deal with it. (laughs) Just telling somebody your insecurities doesn't mean they leave. It just means now you've been exposed, but you got to deal with it. You know, that's one of the things I I, I love. I see this with your students. You're helping them. You know, one of the, the revelations I got a long time ago about insecurity is that if you break the word down insecurity, it means in uh, on the inside of me, things aren't secure. Yes. And so what happens is what we don't realize is that insecurity is a growth stopper. Mm-hmm. And I say that because when you have, when, when there's not an inside structure inside of you that's secure, then whenever revelation comes of your identity, the word of God, uh, just any form of revelation, it doesn't have a place to land because everything inside you is so insecure there's no secure place for it to land, to grow and stay. So that's why many times insecurity is a growth stopper because it actually stops us from maturing because the insecurity in us, there's no secure place. Yes. And so I want you just to speak into that. What are some of the breakthroughs that you're seeing, some keys that you have that you are actually helping your students walk through to find that secure place inside where they're not insecure and it's not stopping the growth. Because I've been a part of your group, been able to minister, and I've, I've seen some of the students in in a year. Because you have them for less than a year, yeah. And I and as many, as many times I'll come to your first day or around the first week, and I'll see your students, and then at the end they're like totally just just some they've matured. What are some of the things that you're doing, uh, speaking into some keys that you could release right now? Yeah, I think some. I think you have to. I know you have to pursue the love of God and that means diving into scripture. That means mm. keep going after it. You know, Bill, Bill talks about, Bill Johnson talks about how often we will lower the Bible to our experience instead of raising <laughs> our experience to the Bible. Yes, so good. And oftentimes we relegate that to the supernatural, but hey, if it says the love of God is there, mm. that should be a reality that everybody l- lives from mm. and that you pursue that until it becomes a reality in in your life. Um, I, I, and I think it, it really is about the power of scriptures in our life and wow. meditating on them, um, verbalizing them. I mean, James 1, 22 and 23, it, it talks about the word, of, the word of God being a mirror. And so yeah. there's an there's an invitation True. to become what you see, and uh, so I, I can't undervalue the importance of knowing scripture, of of fighting, of declaring it, of of you know of making it something that a place you live from. Um, and and then I, I think what we have done in our in our group is to create a, create an environment of encouragement. 
Uh, mm. I, I, so many environments from growing up in, in, in families and in workplaces and even churches, which is really sad, is there's not, not, not a lot of encouragement is, is happening. So true. And so to take the time to see um, how God sees one of my students yeah. and to begin to just tell them the truth. And it, it's amazing. Like, I'll give them an encouraging word that I feel like I see in them about maybe even something specific that they've done. And, and they're blown away by the compliment. And, and I always tell them, hey, I'm just telling you the truth. Like, it's not, I'm not here trying to just make you feel good about yeah. yourself because you can't, it's so important to understand truth. And to live in truth and to be moved by that and to not live in lies. I think another thing we do, sometimes you, you got to identify the lie. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if, you, if you don't know it's a lie, you're going to believe it. <laughs> and if you don't know it's a lie, you're going to empower it. And if you don't know it's a, it's a lie, you're going to live from that. And so acknowledging the lies when they come and replacing them with truth is, is, is very simple, but it, it's very profound and it has so many ramifications in your life and in your thought life. Um, I, I always, we always talk about the power of self-talk. You know, I, I've, I've heard this, yep. I've heard this said before, and so I, I'm probably stealing it from somebody and I can't remember who, so forgive me. <laughs> um, but I've heard it said, Hey, if you spoke to other people, like you spoke to yourself, you probably wouldn't have any friends. Whoa. <laughs> that the amount of wow. negativity that you point at yourself every day about you're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. Say that. Wow. Man, the, like what <laughs> to me, honestly, I think we overemphasize spiritual warfare sometimes. Uh, I think we're doing the devil's jobs for him. <laughs> like he, I, I know I did. I was working time and a half. I was working wow. on holidays. <laughs> I was working on weekends. I was doing the swing shift. I was opening. I was closing. I mean, I was doing his work for him that he could just set, set back and probably cross his arms and laugh his head off because I was coming to agreement with all these lies and and. Uh, once again, to quote Bill, it's, he has so many good uh, quotable yeah, moments. Yeah. He says, "When you believe a lie, you empower the liar," mm-hmm. and and that's and that's what happens. <laughs> oh, whoa! That's what happens in our mind is that we wow. have this negative self-talk, and it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You begin to live from that identity, so and you, you gotta I, you gotta acknowledge that. You gotta deal with it. You gotta do. You gotta get practical. You got to use declarations. You got to use scripture meditations. You, you, you got to learn what the Bible says about you and what's available in you, uh, through you. And, and and those are some things that, you know, we really go after so in our good. environment. That is so wow. good. And, you know, there's, there's so much to even unpack with the scripture. You know, we will be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. Yes. And I feel like one thing that I, I didn't realize for such a long time is when we actually believe in a lie, not only we're empowering it, but literally we are we are creating neural pathways in our brain yes. that goes back to keep wanting yep. to connect with that lie. Mm-hmm. And so we have to not just, you're saying the power of declaration. I don't think we even realize what we're doing. Yeah. It's not just reminding the devil of who we are. Like he already knows. We're, we're not just reminding ourselves of who we are. We're literally changing the pathways yes. in our brain to think different thoughts about ourselves. Like we have to. Mm-hmm. If we want to see transformation in our lives, it's that's where it starts. And I think that's why uh, the power of prophetic culture is so strong because when you are receiving those prophetic words about your identity and you start to believe, I mean, a couple of episodes ago, we did an episode with, with Jordan. And I think that's one of the things I'm seeing is there's a difference between, you know, activated identity 
and just, you know, uh, realized identity. Like yes. some people realize, yeah. but they're not activating it. Mm -hmm. right. Just realizing it has no power. It's just the beginning process. It's actually when you activate it, and part of activating is actually believing what he says about you. Coming yes. in full agreement, full alignment, and even taking steps towards that by faith. Yep. And I think that's really what we need. And I think part of that is what both of you guys are saying is like, we have to change the way, not only we see, but the way we talk about ourselves. Yes. We have to. We have to talk about ourselves the way he talks about us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just that thought alone right there is a game changer because if you could listen to the conversation, which we have access, and this is one of the things I would I would encourage uh, the listener right now to do is begin to ask the Holy Spirit to allow you into the conversations that God has about yourself yes, and hear how God speaks about you because the moment you hear and listen to how God speaks about you and you agree and you start speaking the same things over yourself oh boy Come every on. insecurity has to let go it can't stay yeah and I love what you were just saying uh, about that so Jeremy any last words that you would like to leave with us today in the listener yeah I, I think just in closing especially in the area of, of ministry um, I'm all for being competent in, in your role. The, the Bible talks about being not ashamed of how you handle the Word of God. And so I, I'm all for learning and reading. Um, but I remember reading a book a few years ago. He said, we've never been in an era in Christianity where ministers have been more competent, yes, yet less, less effective. Wow. That even at the end of the day, as much information you can you can have, especially in the context of trying to run from your insecurities about being having something to say in a moment and being polished and wow. not not feeling like ill-equipped, which like I'm saying, that's good, but that's that's not at all. That's not everything. Mm. And at the end of the day, I was just even thinking about Second Corinthians four seven. It says it says this, but we have this treasure in clay jars, so that <laughs> it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Mm. And so at the end of the day, yeah, I, I want to be the best clay pot I can be for the Lord. I, I want to be durable. Uh, I want to be able to hold a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I want to do everything on my power, you know, essentially bring my lunch like the boy did. That's good. But if he doesn't yeah. multiply it and he doesn't fill me, what good is it? Wow. And so at the end of the day, when it comes to being insecure in what you're called to do as a, as a leader or as wow. a minister, do everything you can to become who you're supposed to become. But at the end of the day, trust that it's the Lord's power mm. flowing through you and being poured out in you is what's going to make the difference for our world. Wow. And that doesn't come because you feel good about yourself. Yeah. That, that comes because God chooses to pour out His Spirit on all flesh and uh, His believers and to partner with us and talk about a great place to end and to even meditate on is that God fill me with your spirit mm -hmm. show the world the power that you have by working through this this just jar of clay so good could you uh, one of the things we love to do on this show is when we bring on uh, one of our friends and guests we love for them to release their breakthrough and so I know we've been talking about overcoming insecurity, and that's actually an area you've had victory in, and now you're imparting it to the students that come from all over the world to uh, BSSM that are in your group. Would you just release that declaration and prayer right now over the listener? Yeah, I declare first and foremost that you are seated with Christ, that He has a place at His table, and you are invited to sit there, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because He loves you. Mm. And I just pray that the revelation of the Father's love, wherever you're at, would fill every part of your being. 
and that the voices that disqualify you, that make you feel ineffective, that make you feel insecure, would be silenced this moment because of the power of the love of God in your life. And I pray that you would stand and declare in a moment, knowing who you are in Him, knowing that it's His power flowing through you, and that you would be aware of what He wants to do, not aware of your lack, not aware of your limits, but aware of His power and his goodness in your life. And so I release anything I can release. I don't understand how it works. I don't know if I need to, but I say whatever I have, I freely give to you today. And I declare that you are a son of God, a daughter of God, and to live and walk from that understanding for the rest of your life. Come on. So Jeremy, lastly, where can people follow you, continue to glean from you? Uh, you on social media. What, what, what is that? Yeah, it's uh, Jeremy Gonzalez, J-E-R-E-M-Y, and then Gonzalez, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. And I believe that's both on Facebook and um, Instagram. And so that's 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 where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. And make sure to check the show notes to see how to follow Jeremy on social media. Well, guys, if this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to subscribe. And would you do us a huge favor? Would you share this podcast with your friend or family member as it helps us to extend our reach and our voice to impact people for the kingdom of God and to see their lives transform? Thank you for listening today uh, on this show. And Jeremy, thank you once again for yes, being our guest you, today. We have to do some more there's 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 a couple more uh, actually quite a few more topics i want to talk to you we have some really good conversations so we'll get to have you back once again thank you for listening to the show today until next time i am matt gonzalez and i'm desiree gonzalez we are out be blessed we hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the matt and des experience this podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.